Welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, your source of daily blues coverage. I am your host, Joey Pozzola. And I'm Josh Hyman. And before we jump into anything today, I got to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Monocle's Pizza. If you haven't checked them out already, uh, first thing you heard of their famous crispy thin crust pizza. If you don't like that, they got the pan pizza or the point pizza, which is a one of a kind triangle pizza. All pizzas come with a mozzarella or proval blend of cheese, your choice. They also serve fresh pepperonis, which are fresh baked rolls filled with pepperoni puree and four cheeses, which sounds delicious. Toasted ravioli, of course, a St. Louis classic. They have the Family Pleaser, which is a combo of pizza, salad, and soft drinks, so you and your family can dine in, carry out, or get it delivered, whatever you want. They've been in business since 1959. Uh, Their O'Fallon location has a brewery, including including their house, Amber Beer, 1959, named after their first ever year. And they've got lots of community involvement with fundraisers and reading programs, which is amazing. And you can order online through their app or website and on Grubhub. And you can get $5 off a large specialty pizza when you mention Locked On or use online code Locked On. So let's get into that game, Joey. What do you think? one nothing victory over over Arizona. Big statement win. What do you yeah, like? Yeah, the, the, uh, the score really didn't tell how the game went on. Uh, the Blues just absolutely dominated from the puck drop. Um Bennington playing solid. He had a early save on Taylor Hall in that breakaway. That that looked like it was a scary situation. Almost looked like he got hurt on that play. Um, yeah, I know they mentioned it on the broadcast. Do you see anything on that one? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just overall that was a big, uh, big momentum point for the game. They talked about, they discussed it after the game that that was a huge, huge uh, point in the game for a shift of momentum. Like a, you know, you you allow that goal and and the Blues kind of fall right back into the pattern of allowing early goals and being behind, and, and it kind of just feels like the the struggles that we're so used to seeing lately. Um, and then Bennington really came up huge, you know, stretched his body beyond what a lot of us thought was capable, you know, looked like he did get injured on that play, but he, he was, you know, he battled through it. He was fine. And it was definitely a really huge save. I, I don't think if he, if he doesn't make that save, I don't think the blues win that game. You know, it's a one nothing victory. It's one of those games where, um, you know, they put up 46 shots and the, um, Ranta was standing on his head. So it's one of those games where you allow an early goal like that, and that could have been deflating. The Blues could have been shut out for all we know. So it was a huge save, huge timely save for Bennington, for sure. Yeah, and, and like we said, it was just total dominance all around from the Blues. It's 46 shots to 14, 16 to 10 in hits. Uh, the, the one thing I would like to see was a, a power play goal, at least, given three yeah. opportunities out there. Um, but, hey, you can't get them every game. They're uh, second in the league right now, I believe, like 24% on the power play. So um, anything you see, even strength or anything like that, Josh? Um, I thought they played pretty well overall. Um, even strength was definitely something that they'd been, they'd been struggling with lately. I think that they'd been playing better uh, on their special teams uh, power play and penalty kill were kind of rolling and then the even strength was something that they were lacking you know goal scoring is still not there as much as they would like but you know the last two games they've been rolling combining for nearly 100 shots um, breaking records breaking their shot records left and right and not only that suppressing shots allowing 14 you know at one point Jordan Bennington came out and said like what did he say like, I was just chilling back there it didn't even feel like a real game so whenever yeah. you can have your, your starting goalie saying that that's that means you're doing something right yeah, and I, I do think the uh, PK looked great. Again, uh, they're starting to shore up here. Uh, I think the engine to hold that whole system is Oscar Sundquist at this point. Uh, it seems to be like whenever he's out of the lineup, we're struggling defensively, and especially on the PK, when he's back in the lineup, we're, we're executing, killing them penalties off. So 
one thing to keep an eye on there moving forward. Um, defense, like we said, played great. Carl Garnson, we'd mentioned him last show. I thought he had another good game. How about Marco Scandella's debut? I thought he played fantastic. Scandella was spectacular. I mean, he had that one two on two on O that he broke up. Really, he just reached his stick, which I mean, it looked like he was holding Pareko's stick out there. Uh, it was he just had that long reach, just reached in there and broke up the play effortlessly. Which I mean, it was you know you might not have noticed it. I know it went around Twitter, but it's one of those plays where you don't really notice right away. But he he made a lot of plays like that. You know we. He was responsible in his own end. There was a lot of moments where I, where he started to make a decision that I was like, uh-oh, like a potential turnover, but he got right back in his own end, broke up the play, uh, was just really reliable, which is what I think the Blues need. I think they've got a lot of guys who can make plays and, and uh, move the puck, but every once in a while, those guys get caught turning it over. You know, Vince Dunn, not the most responsible sometimes when it comes to decisions with the puck. Um same thing with Petro. Even at times, he can have some some unfortunate giveaways. So, Blues having guy, guys like uh, Scandella and, and Pareko more so, and what Jabo was just guys that are really responsible with the puck and that you can trust that they'll make the right decision. I think that he showed that really well, and he also was able to hustle back and, and get in his own end and even created a little offense a little bit when he when he was needed. But I think he just had an all around really strong game for St. for St. Louis, and I think he proved a lot of the the doubters wrong, calling it one of Armstrong's worst trades. I don't think that that's true at all, and I think he. He proved it um, Thursday night. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, I do like what I saw even offensively with him. Uh, he was 26 seconds away from 20 minutes time on ice in the game. He had a team lead of uh, 2 minutes 51 seconds shorthanded time on ice, actually, so uh, leading the charge there on the PK. Yep. Um, up front, uh, we had good games all around, really. Nothing, nothing crazy, but uh, Craig Bruby mentioned Jordan Kyrie possibly having the uh, – friend of the podcast, Jordan Kyrie. Friend of the pod, Jordan Kyrie. Had one of his best games as a blue. Um, yeah, he was buzzing. Man, he he is getting opportunity after opportunity after opportunity in the offensive zone, and Four he is just getting. He, he's playing amazing. He's playing out of his mind, but man, he's hitting knobs at the goalie stick. He he's just coming so close. He's getting the J- Jaden Schwartz snake bit effect right now, but yeah. uh, hopefully he breaks through here soon. Yeah, and something that definitely stuck out uh, for me was that he created a lot of his opportunities just almost completely on his own. Like, I know he had one where it was just a simple breakout for Arizona, and out of nowhere, he just pounced on the breakout pass and turned it into a almost a breakaway for himself and just really just made something out of absolutely nothing. You know, uh, something as simple as a breakout where you don't really expect to create offense, you know, when you're defending a breakout. But he comes in, jumps on that puck, uses his blistering speed to get into the, uh, get to the goal in the blink of an eye and all of a sudden the Blues have possession and the Blues have good opportunities and I, again the numbers aren't what you'd love to see you know he's not he's not finishing those opportunities as well but um, they'll, they'll come you know it, it just takes one one shift and you watch him and you can tell he's buzzing out there Barube said it was potentially his best game as a Blue and that's that's a big compliment coming from coming from the Chief so you gotta be happy here on that if you're Jordan Cairo and I think he's slowly but surely earning his earning his spot in this lineup um, for the time being Right. Uh, the goals will come. Uh, it, all that matters right now is the opportunities. And if you're a goal scorer, as long as you're getting your opportunities, you're happy at the end Absolutely. of the day. Um, but, yeah, enough Jordan Kyrie talk there. He had a great game. How about we move on to uh, Sammy Blaze? I mentioned him in a live tweet during the game. He's He is something special when he has his hands and physicality both on display at the same time. Yeah. Sometimes he can get a little lackadaisical going away from one or the other. He'll lean more towards physicality or he'll lean more towards the offensive skill. But whenever he combines it both at the same time, that man is he, – he stands out on the ice when he does it. He had yep. team-high six hits. He, yep. was, he was all over the place. 
Yeah, he was buzzing out there. That whole that whole group of kids, uh, Blay, Kairu, Thomas, have looked spectacular these past few games. They really look like they've taken that next step and gained uh, gained another level of confidence that we haven't seen from them this year. And Blay included. He's you know through six hits through six hits out there, but also uh, close to a team high with four shots. Uh, that's that that can't go unnoticed too. And only led by on offense at least, only led by Robert Thomas with five. So the kids are the kids are are showing out to play. Actually, the the leading offensive shot getters were Blay, Cairo, and Thomas, all with at least four. No one else on offense had that many. So then Colton Pareko had seven, which is ridiculous. But um, oh, O'Reilly had four as well. My my fault. But but still, the, the the fact that you could have your your kids driving your offense like that, you know, young guys driving the offense like that, um, is is really good a really good sign for St. Louis. You know, it shows that they're gaining comfort and they're gaining confidence, and they're not doing it in that much time on ice either. So it, it's a good it's a good thing to have if you're a Blues fan. Yeah, I agree. And mentioning the kids, we kind of forget about Ivan Barbashev being 24 years old, even though it mm-hmm. seems like he's been here for a while. But uh, he had two goal game last game against um, who was that? New Jersey. Yep. He had he had two goal game there. He almost had another one in this game. He would have had three goals in the last two games. But that fourth line of Blay, Sunquist, and Barbashev is rolling right now. Um, Barbashev yeah. playing better and better and better. It's it's looked like he's been on that. Zach Sanford hot streak, not necessarily goal after goal, but he's elevating his play at, at this time right now. So, um, good thing keeping out in there. Um, yeah. Going to that first line now. How about Shin, O'Reilly, and uh, Schwartz? I think they, they're looking good. I mentioned before the game that I thought they were about to break out for a couple games here. Uh, O'Reilly obviously had the the one, the lone goal. Yeah. But, um, I don't think that's going to be a solution long term. I don't think they're going to yeah. be together and say a week and a half, two weeks. I think that's just a, a Craig Ruby mix, mix up whenever the offense gets a little slow. So, uh, hey, for right now, I like it, but I don't think it's a long term solution. I agree. I agree. Real quick, we're going to take a quick break for a digital ad insert, and then we'll be right back, wrapping up this game and getting into some trade talk. All right, and we're back. So uh, I definitely agree that that first line looked good, but it might not be the long-term solution. That's one of those things where you kind of just need to spark some offense. You jumble the lines a little bit and get them going. But, I mean, Shannon Schwartz has always been a money combination. I think that that, we might see that stick together. And then same thing with O'Reilly and Perron. They've been a very, very reliable combination, um, even though they've been split up a little bit recently. Uh, um, But, you know, you can speculate on the lines all you want. But the the truth is you got a lot of guys that are playing above their – above their expected role right now. Like you said, Barbashev had that one shift where he just threw like 15 reverse hits and just possessed yeah. the puck for, for five minutes straight, it felt like. And a lot of these guys are, you, you know, you could argue that a lot of these guys could be playing top six minutes, whether it be Barbashev, Kairou, Thomas, Sanford, Blay. So it's definitely a good problem to have. And I think regardless of how these lines turn out, I think it will be very similar to last year's playoffs in the sense that there aren't really four lines. There are just four units of three guys that you can send out depending on the situation. If you want hitting and physicality, you throw out the Sammy Blay line. If you want some dynamic passing and, and maybe a quick goal, you throw out Shannon Schwartz. If you need some good defense, you throw out O'Reilly. And and it just really depends on the situation. And the Blues have a, the luxury to have four really solid lines that they can use whenever they want. You know, they don't have to say, oh, our fourth line's weaker defensively. We need to shelter them. They've got four lines of guys that they can throw out in, in any situation and, and can rely on to get the job done. Yep, so uh, Blues end up 
Obviously, we're in the game one nothing, so they'll move to 34-17-10, good enough for 78 points, first place in the Central Division and Western Conference. And then how about them Arizona Coyotes falling to 30-26-8 for 68 points. It's, it seems like their season, ever since they acquired Taylor Hall, has just seemingly gone down the drain. Yeah, I mean that Pacific Division is is yeah, but they're still in crazy. it, right? Of course, they're right. still in it. Yeah, Vegas has seven. Vegas, first place in the division, Vegas with seventy two. Second place, Edmonton with seventy one. Third place, Vancouver with seventy. And then you look at the wild card, at least for the Pacific teams, Calgary's in second with sixty eight, and then Arizona is just right on the cusp with sixty eight themselves. But they got a couple games in hand, so they're definitely still in it. But disappointing season for them for sure. Um, definitely not what they were expecting. I feel like they've always been a disappointing team like always been poised to take that next step and then just haven't been able to but they've been a very poor team on the road as well so i think that that's just one of those things where hopefully they can you know if you're a coyotes fan you hope that they can get back home soon and, and get a little bit of a streak going and and really make that last playoff push because i think they have the talent absolutely uh but the pacific is is just really tight right now and i think it just could be one or two games here and there that could that could shape out the rest of that division. So you got to bear down and and really play your best hockey these next twenty games, these next few weeks. Yeah, so they're only two points out of the playoff spot. There's nothing yep. nothing crazy going on at all. But what I meant by that is uh, whenever they acquired Taylor Hall, they were near the top of that division by a decent yeah. decent uh, landslide there. But it seemed like they they just got into a huge slump. Uh, their chemistry seems a little bit off up front. I couldn't really, really uh, put anything together, any combinations or anything like that. But um, I, I do know Darcy Camper did go down. He was having a Vesna-like year at the beginning of the year he before was. he did get injured. He was get, he was an all-star, obviously, but um, didn't participate because of the injury. But uh, ever since that Taylor Hall trade, seems to have gone the way the Coyotes went. But um, speaking of trades, you want to get yeah. into some uh, trade talk here? Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's run one more quick ad digital insert, and then we'll spend the rest of the episode uh, talking about all these fun trades. No more breaks. I'm excited. So we'll be right back. All right, Joey, what did you see? The trades you liked? I guess the where we left off, I don't think we got – did we get into the Alec Martinez trade last episode? I don't think I we did. I don't think we did. That's where yeah. I'll start. Yeah, so let's start there. Let's start there. Vegas acquires Alec Martinez for a 2022nd and the 2021 second. Um, I like that trade for Vegas. I do. I think it's I, I think it's a steep price to pay, but I think a lot of these guys are going for pretty steep prices, and Alec Martinez is a really reliable defenseman. Um, and he's he's you know he's got the experience for sure. We know that, and I think he could be a difference maker for them. Yeah, um, Stanley Cup champions, the LA Kings. Uh, actually, Stanley Cup clinching goal scorer, the LA Kings. You mm-hmm. supposed to get him in goal to win the cup for him. But um, from a Blues point of view, that makes Vegas a a lot scarier in my opinion. I think that brings a lot of experience to that team that that's lacking i know they went to the stanley cup final before but obviously not many have won it on that team uh the two second round picks are a steep price but considering he has one year left on his contract after this year sort of like a blake coleman and um wherever he got traded to where'd he go uh tampa draw a blank tampa yeah there you go whenever he got traded to tampa i had boss in my mind because boston is who was trying to get him from it was basically Tampa and Boston in a right. freaking battle for him. I can't think of the word, but whatever. Um, but Vegas uh, got him for two seconds. And who knows? Maybe the Blues were out there looking around for him. They know uh, Brandon Dillon got traded right before that. Mm-hmm. And naturally, after that, Scandella went to the Blues, obviously. 
but uh, maybe there was another suitor in there for Martinez. Wouldn't surprise me. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the next one, I guess we can look at one. Well, the one that really confused me was the Rangers acquire JF Barub for future considerations, which doesn't really seem like too much on the surface. But then when you remember that they've already got three goalies and are trying to ship one out, it makes no sense to me at all whatsoever. What What do you think of that one? Uh, not much on that one. You never had too many goals. I know that we saw that last year. It's just strange but, um, to me. They spent the very last. Strange. They've spent the last few weeks trying to ship out Georgiev, and like they've got Lundqvist, and, and they would love their, their to trade Lundqvist. I yeah. know that for a fact. Yeah, they're, they're healthy scratch them every game. Yeah, it's 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 tough. It's it, it, but it, to me, it just makes no sense. I mean, I'm assuming that they're planning on shipping out Georgiev, and that's why you acquire a guy like uh, JF Barub, just because. You know, you need extra goalies, especially if you're planning on shipping one out. But you think you'd get the Georgiev trade done first. I don't know. Um, Something to keep an eye on there. Uh, I'll go to more of a rumor rather yeah. than a trade. Let's say a team looking for a goalie gets uh, gets him along with a Chris Kreider in a package. Ooh. Now, said team, let's say they go to Colorado, who's in need of a goalie oh. and a Chris Kreider-like. <laughs> Oof. I think there's something in the works that I really do. I think there's something yeah. brewing. Um, wouldn't shock me at all. I, I think no, I'm with you. The, the number one team that needs, and the key word, needs Chris Kreider is the Colorado Avalanche. I'll be 100% dead honest in my opinion with that. I think they need a Chris Kreider type in order to play against the Dallas Stars and St. Louis Blues in a seven-game playoff series. Absolutely. I'm not saying they can't win without him, but that would strengthen their chances that much more. Absolutely, and then the last one we'll get into a uh, bit of a bit of an interesting one. Uh, Andre Kasha goes to the Boston Bruins for the tw- their twenty twenty first round pick prospect Axel Anderson and David Backus, and it's an Anaheim Duck. I that I, that feels weird. That leaves a strange taste in my mouth. Yeah, I'm not sure how this one's going to end for Backus. I don't know if it's going to end in a buyout at the end of the year. I'm not sure if it ends with him retiring. I have absolutely no idea. But, um, hey, good to see him get out of Boston. Obviously, he was struggling. He couldn't, uh, couldn't crack the lineup there in the last half year to a year. But, um, man, in my opinion, that's a hell of a deal for uh, Boston getting Kashe right there. Um, yeah, Kashe's a beast. That's, that's a guy a lot of my followers were tweeting at me. Hey, how about him? How about him? But... I kept throwing, oh, he's going to be an RFA. I don't think they'd be willing to give up, especially a team like Anaheim. I mean, Tasha is a young guy. He's He's got so much potential. That dude can easily be a top six player. Absolutely. But, man, they, they must have loved a first-rounder to get in their back pocket for that one. But Yeah, I, I mean, it is, a, it is a steep price to pay. I mean, a first, a decent prospect. It's, 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 it's hefty, but you're getting a guy like Kasha, which, I mean, assumedly – you're keeping for at least this year, and then he is an RFA, so potentially moving forward. And if not, you're going to get picks for him if he's offer sheeted. Regardless, you're, it's it's a very good trade for Boston in that sense. Um, but from the Blues' perspective, I don't think that's something that they would be willing to do. Uh, First-round pick and a prospect, that's not really the, the price that they're looking to give up, especially just to add a contract that they're going to have to pay this offseason with Petrangelo coming up. But I mean, hey, the a contender like Boston adds another young piece. Uh, another he 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 just reminds me of like a, a Charlie Coyle from last season, just a guy that exactly you know, a, a guy that's not going to go out there and be a game breaker, but a guy that whenever he's we're on not going to yeah yeah you have to be aware. You have to say like, oh man, he could any night break out for two goals on three shots and just be hot and make a difference with this team. 
And I guarantee you that's going to come in like the Eastern Conference Finals in a game five. That's a swing game or something. I mean, he's he's going to he's going to come up and he's going to come up loud in the playoff time. I can promise you that. I agree. I agree. Well, I think that's all we got today. You got uh, Winnipeg. For the the Winnipeg, oh, Winnipeg, the Winnipeg trade. That's right. Cody Eakin for a fourth. So Winnipeg. Just happened. Yeah. Yeah. It just happened. I mean, hey, uh, Winnipeg adding defensive depth. Or center depth, defensive depth, yikes. Eight, two, eight, four, he's a defensive forward. I'll give yeah. you that. So, okay, sure, let's pretend like I was going for that. <laughs> um, I mean, they need defensive depth is what I was, what I was trying to say. But, hey, I mean, they're a team that I, I think is is they're, they're, right, they're definitely right in the playoff race. But I think that they maybe are, at least in my opinion, I didn't expect them to be this close to a playoff race with that defensive core. So they could they could, uh, they could kind of under the radar make the playoffs again and go, go on a run with that offense of theirs. You know, if they get hot at the right time, if Halibut gets hot at the right time, they could be dangerous. Yeah, speaking of under the radar, I think that's a good under the radar move for them. Uh, Cody Eakin adds a nice little dynamic to that bottom six four group. Uh, I, I really thought that was a very good trade by the Jets, actually. But um, I don't – man, it's, it's going to be so good. This last playoff spot in the Western Conference – is going to be between one to two points of a difference mm-hmm. between making it and not making it. Mm-hmm. Um, it be a hungry team. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me if the Jets are, aren't done. Uh, maybe they go back after uh, Zach Bogosian, who's about to get terminated by Buffalo, uh, mm-hmm. go back home to Winnipeg there. Maybe mm-hmm. they add someone else from defense from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Dustin Bufflin situation, man, this is, this is a weird situation. I don't know if anyone is caught up on it, but basically – um, he got injured at the end of last year and didn't really tell anybody, I'm guessing. From what I'm getting out of it, he didn't really uh, tell any doctors about it from the team or anything. He kind of went out about his offseason. Whenever mm-hmm. he came back into training camp, he uh, kind of re-injured it again. But they kind of found out that he injured it at the end of last season and didn't get it treated because he thought it would just heal on his own. And right. it didn't. Right. So um, – I feel like they were going to suspend him or something along those lines. And instead he decided to sit out and then it came all the way to this point where his contract's about to get terminated until like a week ago. There there's talks of him getting possibly traded. So, I mean, I don't know. There's rumors about him not even being in hockey shape and, and all kinds of stuff. It, it's a weird situation. Yeah, it's going to be a fun. That. It's going to be a fun deadline. I mean, we got a few. We got the weekend. It'll play out. Um, and Monday, you know, we should have a jam-packed episode for you guys. But I mean, until then, we just got to sit and wait and sort of cross our fingers, hope for some fun stuff going down. I mean, you got anything else to say to our lovely listeners at home, Joey? Uh, yeah, uh, Monday we will be releasing our full detailed trade deadline breakdown, uh, mainly focusing on the Blues, obviously. But we'll touch on all kinds of rumors around the weekend. Uh, maybe there's possibly some deals getting done over the weekend. Uh, maybe J.D. Peugeot gets traded to the Blues over the weekend. Or maybe I can I don't know. We'll maybe, see. Maybe. But, um, we'll see. <laughs> this Chris Carter one, this one's going to come down to the wire here. I, I yeah, really think fun. at the end of the day, he's going to go to Colorado. And it wouldn't shock me if it happens before Monday's episode. Agreed. But, um, Agreed. yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned. Yeah. You all have a lovely weekend. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.